Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Life in His Story. And what we're doing in this series is we're taking some time to dig through um, uh, sort of the, the church year together, the, the Christian year, the church calendar, however you want to do it, something that's been in the church for thousands of years and uh, connects us in a real deep way to uh, the church um, that's gone on already before us. And uh, there's something very powerful in that connection, I think. Um, there's something that really helps us uh, in, in that reflection of knowing that we're a part of something that's gone on for so long and, and uh, how it's been you know, uh, continued on and that the, uh, the church that's already gone on before us uh, you know, they're doing most of the stuff that we do. We get, you know, they're worshiping and they're, they're hanging out together and they're fellowship. And I believe all that stuff goes and takes place. The, the one thing that they can't do now that we still can is that we can still go out and lead people to Christ. And so we have that aspect of our walk here. And, and you know, in walking this thing out, that's a big part of our interaction with the world and how that looks and how we're to do that and how effective we can be and the impact that we can have. And so we're, we're, we're looking at the way that the Christian year has been um, looked at historically now for thousands of years, as I said. And it's more than sort of a series of commemorative holidays. It's a way of ordering our spiritual life around the, the, the life of Jesus. It really helps us to really plug into his story where we belong and, and knowing that we're a part of his story and, and uh, keeping us in the bigger picture. And, and so throughout the church here, uh, based on where we're at and, and what events of Jesus' life we're looking at, it helps us to reflect on, on sort of how we fit and, and what that looks like in our lives. And we have um, been looking at the epiphany season um, for this last three weeks. Sometimes that can be as many as uh, seven weeks, depending on where Easter comes into the mix. Um, but because Easter's early this year, March uh, 31st, um, the epiphany season has now sort of, we're, we're moving out of it this, this year, and uh, we're moving into a new season. And this particular day that we're moving into has a funny, funny name. It's a, it's a Latin name, Septuagesima. That's what it's called. And it, it kicks off a three-week little time um, that's actually sort of a, a season that prepares us for Lent, which prepares us for Easter. So it's preparation for the preparation. They were big on preparation, I guess. And uh, these next three Sundays are Septuagesima, Sexagesima, and Quinquagesima. And they're Latin names that mean approximately um, the 70th, the 60th, and the 50th day before Easter. The, the, the last one, Quinquagesima, is pretty close to 50. The other two are just approximations because they're only seven days apart. We know they're not 10 days apart, but that's how they ended up getting named and remembered. So Septuagesima Sunday is the ninth Sunday before Easter, so that's where we're at. It's kind of nice to know um, that's what's happening. It's the third um, Sunday before Ash Wednesday, which kicks off the actual Lent season. So this 17-day period that starts with Septuagesima um, it, it has historically been intended as a preparation for Lent, which is preparation for Easter. So as I said, we're preparing for the preparation time that's going on. And you know, as the Lent season comes up, we're to, we're to start thinking about, uh, ultimately, it's, it's really about kind of fasting in, in order to connect uh, with the Lord. But um, historically, you know, people would 
um, give something up during that season to help them connect better with the Lord. It's not in order to earn something. It's just sort of a, a better connection. Of course, with Easter happening so early this year, uh, the only thing that some people will probably be giving up are their New Year's resolutions. Frump them. No? I thought I'd... Well, I have this. What did the Buddhist monk say to the hot dog vendor? Make me one with everything. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's it. That's all I got for this week. <laughs> you like that, huh? Doesn't, I don't get dug very often. Okay, good. Well, then it was worth everything. So during these next few weeks then, in, in uh, this time in these three Sundays, we're going to be looking at some of the character traits that we are to develop as disciples and be reflecting on those things. And today we're going to talk about selflessness, selflessness, the opposite of selfishness, which is a pretty big deal for all of us. And the scripture reading for today is one of my absolute favorite passages of scripture in that it always causes me to reflect um, about how I'm doing in, in my relationship because it's so exposing, I think. I think it just really cuts right to the heart of the matter of who we really are and how we're really walking and, and what it's all about in the process. So our scripture reading for today is Matthew 20, <clears throat> verses 1 through 16. It says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last one hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received the denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. And blessed be the word of the Lord. See, the reason I love that passage of scripture is because if you'll be honest with yourself, and I've read that now, I want to say hundreds of times. I believe I have read it hundreds of times. And I've thought about it repeatedly, and I've, I've taught on it. And I've, if you're honest with yourself, I think that the reaction that we generally have is that doesn't seem right. To most of us, that doesn't seem right, that if you were one of the guys who worked all day long, and at the end of the day, you got paid exactly the same as someone who had kind of stumbled in and worked for an hour, who, who, who didn't work all day, and they got the same as you, um, even though you got what you agreed to work for, at some level, 
the honest part of that is that's a struggle because it doesn't seem to us fair or right or just. And, and we, we have that honest struggle, I think. And, and Jesus told this to make us really look um, at what life is like as one of his disciples. And he's trying to change the entire dynamic of being focused on us and focusing on others. He's trying to teach us in this way um, this big change that needs to take place as believers. We're to be different than the way the world looks at things. We're to look at things differently. And as, as followers of Christ, we're called to labor. And the church has a mission and a purpose. That's why we're still here. Like I said, the, the only difference between us and the church that's gone ahead is we still have this mission before us to tell others about who he is. And so, in effect, just like in the parable, we're called to enter a vineyard and labor in a vineyard with others and for others. That's what we're here for. We're, we're called to enter into a vineyard and labor in a vineyard together and uh, to help one another and to help other people. Fulfilling that mission, though, that, that labor has to be one of love. It needs to be a labor of love, not of selfishness. We're not come to compare the amount or length of our work against others. We're to know that what we do, we do for him. We live for him. And so the big question then that we have to reflect on uh, this week is are we living for him or are we living for us? Are we living for him? Are we living for us? And we have to dig into that because I know that our answer would be, oh yeah, I'm living for him. But in reality, who are we really living for? Now, I don't know about you, but, but um, we talked about this a little bit on Wednesday. I, I struggle with a problem. And the problem that I, I, like, to, I like to call it is my way-itis. Uh, my way-itis. I don't know if anybody else has ever struggled with it, but... Um, I, I, I want things very often to go my way. And, and this impacts every area of my life. So for example, um, and this is still, although I've really worked on this, I've really worked on it, it still pops up from time to time. Um, um, when I'm driving, let's say I'm driving to a location, particularly on the turnpike. When, you know, if you're on the turnpike and there's two lanes on the turnpike, the, the lanes are set up so that slower traffic is in the right lane, right? And traffic that wants to go a little faster uses the left lane. That's how this whole thing is supposed to work up. It's really a pretty good system. If you want to drive a little slower, all good. Stay over there. If you need to use, you know, to get around someone, we'll come over to the left lane and then head back over to the right lane. That's, that's how the entire dynamic is supposed to work. And so I don't, I don't really drive all that fast. I really, I, I'm, I used to and I've, it's not worth it. And I, I pretty much, I'm a speed limit guy now. What's the speed limit? You know, if I've got cruise control, hit the button. Don't have to stress anymore. I don't have to worry if, you know, I'm doing something I shouldn't do. Just drive. And it's, it's much easier. I get there when I should get there. Everything's good. However, um, if, if you are on the turnpike and you don't want to do the speed limit, you want to go less than the speed limit, please <laughs> get into the right lane. Stay there. Now, this is where my way-itis often kicks in with me. And uh, the unfortunate part of my way-itis is it makes me haughty, it makes me really mean, and it makes me really stupid. And that's how it impacts me. Um, because uh, sometimes, and I'll be honest here, when someone won't move out of that left lane, especially if in my pickup truck, 
I want to encourage them to move. <laughs> and, and yet the shocking thing is, people that are committed to that left lane, I don't even think ever look in the rearview mirror. So they didn't even know of my immense frustration behind them two inches off of their bumper at a high rate of speed. Well, not as high as I want to go. And, and so it's stupid. I think, and, and I really have worked on that. I try and catch myself now and go, that's just so stupid. You're, you're a second away from, you know, horrendous impact because of this stupid situation that really doesn't matter. Slow down, pass him on the right, pull off, take a rest. You're not responsible to teach him how to drive. All those things are going through my mind. Just stop. But see, my way-itis can kick in and get me in a lot of trouble. And, and here's the thing, because your first point, I'm finding out your first point, is that Jesus is our model for life and ministry. Jesus is our model for life and ministry. No matter how hard I, I think about this, I can never imagine Jesus popping up in a pickup truck and getting an inch and a half off somebody's bumper to try and teach him a lesson. Uh, um, I just don't see him doing it. And so that's an issue. See, and I, I, I tell you that story. I could tell you thousands of stories of, of frustration that I experience because it's not going the way I want it to. And that whole scripture reading always helps me to put it back in place. So what Jesus is teaching us, as he did, was how to live and how to experience life. Because real life is found in him. It's never found, trust me, I lose life. Anytime I get caught in my way, I just, I am not experiencing the life that I could have. It's stressful. It takes me off my game. It's not, it's just not good. It's a terrible way to live. Um, and, and so real life is always found in living this thing out Jesus' way. And he demonstrates for us what a selfless life looks like as he walked and lived among us. And um, there's four concepts. We've touched on these before, but I, I'm going I'm to run, run them by you. And then I want to talk about how that would impact the parable that we just read about how, how I believe Jesus would, would uh, feel about that situation. So um, what we need to do to be selfless, and these are things I want you to think about all week, so that's why I left the blank. Um, we're constantly need to be looking at seeing like he sees. We, we need to ask him all the time to help us to see life and to see people the way that he does. Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So rather than getting frustrated by people, when Jesus saw people, he had compassion on them. That's a big one. That's how you know immediately where your focus is, if you're focused on you, if you're focused on others, that people hit all your frustration buttons really quickly. If you end up frustrated quick, it's probably a bad focus problem. So we have that going on. Second thing we all need to work on is we need to think um, and be thinking about how to think like he thinks. How's that? That's a lot of thinks in one, one thing. Philippians 2.5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That's one of those power verses. Um, and, and it goes on from there. I'm, I'm, I'm cropping out a verse, but it's, it's, I hold it in context. Um, Jesus' attitude about life is one that we need to be looking at, reading about, thinking about all the time. Because he had a, he had a, a totally different way of um, approaching life than we do. And he's demonstrating it all the time. He has compassion on people. He cares about others. Um, yeah, you know, he, uh, he, he just demonstrates where life is found, how it was intended to be. And, and so we're, we're, we need to think about how he thinks, developing that attitude in our lives. Part of that process then is the little C there. And that um, to help us keep the focus off of us is we, we need to serve 
like he serves. We need to serve like he serves. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, uh, you know, the, the one spoke it into being, um, living among us uh, so he could pay the ultimate price for us. And, and uh, when he came, he came to serve. And it's... it's uh, it should be mind-boggling to us uh, that God loves us at this extent that he came to serve us. And he, he demonstrated it over and over and over again throughout his life and ministry. And then little letter D, all of that should help us then to love like he loves, to love like he loves. John thirteen thirty four, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And so, so, and that's the ultimate test of, of really living selflessly. So, with that in mind, here's sort of what I think um, Jesus would have experienced in the story that we read in, in Matthew 20 in our scripture reading today. Um, first off, I, I would imagine that Jesus would have been happy to see people who didn't have work get some work. He would have been, that would have been his heart. Isn't it good that he keeps going out and hiring people? What a, what a wonderful thing this is, that more and more people are getting work throughout the day who desperately need work. And, and uh, he, he wouldn't have had, you know, the stuff that we run through, you know. This is, he, he, he would have just been blessed for these people who got some work. And then I, I'm firmly convinced that because of what he teaches us that he would have thought that it was cool that they got paid more than generously. His, that would have been his whole thing. How, just like, yes, what a, what a wonderful, what an amazing and wonderful thing that uh, everybody's getting paid and, and that they're getting paid generously. And that I, I'm getting paid what I worked for and even though I worked hard, everyone's getting paid su- super generously. What, what an amazing thing that is. And, and uh, he would have been blessed that his service um, on that day helped everybody in the way that they were in for that day. He would, it would have been an issue. He would have been blessed. And then um, he would have loved them by rejoicing with them in their blessing. See, he would have, he would have he, what happened, unfortunately, is that the, the guys who were so mad that they didn't get paid well, they missed out on all the good stuff. Do you get it? That in their selfishness, they missed, it would have been like a, can you imagine how cool it would have been, how excited these people who came in, who needed to work, get, get it, they needed to work, they weren't lazy, they just didn't have work, who needed work, who got work, who only got work for an hour and probably thinking, you know, thank goodness, at least with an hour's pay, we can, we can eat, and, we can, and they got paid for an entire day. Can you imagine how amazing they must have felt, how, how awesome it was? And rather than join in with that and be a part of that celebration, the workers who didn't get it were just mad. They just... They couldn't believe it. And I think so often we miss out on huge parts of experiencing life because we're, we're, we're thinking about what we didn't get in the process. So we can't, we can't enjoy things that we should enjoy um, because we're, we're, we're stuck in our selfishness. And, and Jesus wants us to get unstuck so we can experience life. If we can get the focus off of us, we can tap into so many neat things that are going on around us and experience blessing just from what God's doing in other people's lives, even if it's you know, different 
in our life. And so, um, can you just think about that, that reaction? And I'm sure, you know, all of you would have exacted, you would have all reacted exactly the same way as Jesus in that situation. None of you would have been the people upset about not getting paid um, because you'd done, you know, 10 hours work in the hot sun and somebody coasted in and got 30 minutes in and got the same pay. That wouldn't have bothered you at all, would it? Every time I read it. You know what I think every time I read that passage of scripture? I have so far to go. I have so far to go, Lord. Please don't give up on me. I have so far to go. Because I'm just, I'm just not there yet. And I, I get that every time. So um, what we need to do, third thing, last thing then, is we need to exchange my way-itis for his way-itis. I was making up words this week. <laughs> I, it's not, I should probably make it up and put it in Google or something. I don't know. My way-itis for his way-itis. 1 Corinthians 15, 48 and 49. The first man was made out of earth, and people since then are earthy. The second man was made out of heaven, and people can now be heavenly in the same way that we've worked from our earthy origins let's embrace our heavenly ends I love that it's in the message paraphrase I love the way that he paraphrased that scripture and see verse 49 in the way that we've all worked from our earthy origins we've all excelled at sin selfishness contempt both self and other centered um We've approached life from the old dead way of thinking that we talked about last week of our earthy origins. Now in the same way, with as much enthusiasm and effort as we put into the earthy ways, embrace his ways, heavenly ways, kingdom of God ways, life, full life, heavenly life, eternal life is available to you to experience now. Now. So I want to encourage you again. Push into his presence every day. Remember Jesus, our great priest, our model for life and ministry makes it possible for us to be in the presence of God. We can go into the most holy place because we're in Christ and because of what he's done. And and I I want to approach the throne of grace every day with confidence because I, I need it. Not because I deserve it, but because I'm desperate for his presence in my life so that I can live the life he's created me for. A life with throne room perspective, seeing like he sees, thinking like he thinks, serving like he serves, and loving like he loves. That, that I might move past my, my own selfishness and, and live life for him. And, and that's what we're to be reflecting on this week as we as we head towards Lent towards Easter, there's something for you to really think about. You know, how are you doing in, in this whole process? And, and run those things through your filter because we, we're really trying to change our filters now from the old way to the new way, from our way to his way. And that's the process we're in this week. Amen. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you so much for spending time with us. We appreciate you doing that. We know how valuable your time is. Um, if you need prayer, why don't you go ahead and go to the website at keysvenue.com, hit the contact page or the prayer page, whichever one it is, and uh, shoot us a prayer request, and we'll be happy to pray with you or for you. Uh, and thank you for watching, and, and please tune in again soon.